With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a special podcast presentation from 700WLW.com. This is Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew On Demand. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. When did the uh, current Major League Baseball season begin? It was in late March, wasn't it? Like the, uh, what was it, the Thursday before oh, Thursday before Easter, wasn't it? Late March. So here we sit today on May the 6th, and the Reds have eight wins. Eight wins. They have, right now, the fewest number of wins of any team in Major League Baseball, tied with the Baltimore Orioles. They have eight. The Orioles are 16 out of first in the American League East. The Reds are 12 out of first in the National League Central Division. The Reds are an easy target. The Reds are an easy target because we have seen this coming for a long time. We watched this team each year and thought it was going to get better, maybe by maturation, thought it was going to get better, maybe because some of the players that they acquired in trades over the course of the last five seasons, maybe, just maybe, they were going to develop into really good Major League Baseball players. And the fact of the matter is, they have not. And yesterday was yet another example. Now, there was a lot going on on Saturday. There was a soccer game that drew 22,000-plus. And FC Cincinnati won again. FC Cincinnati, for the moment, is in first place in their conference. There was, last night, one of the truly magnificent NBA games played this season. In fact, if you don't think LeBron James and what he is doing right now is special, then you're dead behind the eyes. Because we're witnessing one of the great, heroic, sporting achievements in the history of sport. Not his sport, sport. He is simply throwing that team on his back and willing it to wins. We also were keeping track of what the Reds were doing, and it wasn't hard. Four hits in the game, one double, three singles, no runs. The Miami Marlins are a bad baseball team. They have done their best to decimate that particular franchise. But the fact of the matter is, it is what it is. And so I had some time this week to go back and play a game of what if. I had time this week to go back and look at some of the things that have crafted what the Reds are right now. And it's not fair in this sense that hindsight is twenty twenty. Hindsight is kind of the worst thing that we are given as people. I mean, when you think about it, knowing what you've done and knowing exactly what happened because you did it, That's a tough thing, not just in sports, in anything. It's a tough thing in life. 
But I went back and I looked at some of these deals that the Reds made since 2013. I looked at the Brandon Finnegan deal, the one that brought Brandon Finnegan here, the one that sent Johnny Cueto to Kansas City. It was it was an awfully lopsided deal. Look at what Johnny Cueto is doing now, even four years down the road. I went back and I looked at the Araldis Chapman deal. Horribly one-sided deal. You can't find one major ligger in that deal that sent Araldis Chapman out of here. In the deal that sent Mike Leake to the Giants, it was pretty much a given that the throw-in was Adam Duvall. Turned out to be the best player in that deal, and now maybe the game is catching up with Duvall. He is struggling mightily this season and struggled mightily the latter part of last summer. But the one that really got to me and the one that really made me just say, what, was the deal when they sent D.D. Gregorius to the Arizona Diamondbacks in a three-team swap. Remember that deal? They sent D.D. Gregorius, who was deemed to be, I guess, a luxury. Zach Cozart was emerging at shortstop. Brandon Phillips had blossomed into a real star in Major League Baseball. And the Reds needed a center fielder. Reds needed a center fielder because they hadn't developed an outfielder in their system since Jay Bruce. So they took D.D. Gregorius, made him part of a three-team package, and got one year of Shinsu Chu for him. Now, Chu was a good player in that one season of 2013. Terrific player. But D.D. Gregorius was a guy that was emerging as a terrific defensive player, still trying to discover his bat, and he was someone that did not cost a lot of money to keep. So because the Reds couldn't develop an outfielder, because they couldn't figure out a way to put somebody in center field somehow without giving away one of their most prized minor league stars, they traded that star away. Now, in 28, 2008, they drafted Yonder Alonso. Alonso. That was with the seventh overall pick. And it begs the question, why would you draft a player who could play only first base when you had a budding superstar in Joey Votto? Somebody had to see at that point, because a lot of fans did, that Joey Votto was going to be a very good player. We didn't know, no one did back then, that he was going to develop into one of the greatest hitters in the history of baseball and quite possibly the greatest hitter in the franchise's history. But somebody had to see. And then you turn around and you draft a guy who can only play one position. So in the winter of 2012, without a center fielder and without Billy Hamilton's conversion from infield to outfield complete, the Reds decided to trade Gregorius and get Chu. They knew full well that Chu would be a free agent at the end of the 2013 season. But they were coming off 2012 when they misplayed the playoff series against the Giants when they basically punted in Game 4 and then lost it in 5 to the Giants. Gregorius wasn't an instant star. It took a while. He hit 252 and 226, two really pedestrian seasons with the Diamondbacks. But then, then he was dealt to the Yankees. And all he's done there is fill the massive shoes left behind by Derek Jeter. Gregorius is having a terrific season. 
His on-base percentage has been just above or just below 40%. 40%. 40% of the time he comes to the plate, he gets on base. He has led at various times over this season. The major leagues and home runs and RBI. Could anyone on the Reds have predicted that? Of course not. But a year after the Reds let Zach Cozart simply walk away to free agency, and how in the hell did that happen? And a year and a half down the road from parting with Phillips, the saga of D.D. Gregorius only highlights how lost this organization has been for a long time. The Jay Bruce deal didn't bother me so much. Bruce was a streaky hitter. Bruce would just absolutely, absolutely frustrate you so much. And Bruce now with the Mets after a side stop in Cleveland, $14 million is what it's costing the Mets. Here, Adam Duvall is a lot cheaper than the $14 million. He's making about six and a half this season, six and a half, six hundred fifty thousand. On average, Duvall hits a home run every 21, 22 plate appearances. On average, Brutes hits a home run every 17, 18 plate appearances. So it's really, it's really not that big a deal. Would Jay Bruce be a nice corner infielder to have here? Yeah, absolutely. But at $14 million, no. The other thing that you look at with all of these deals is why they were completed when they were. Why did it go straight up to the trade deadline when you knew you were going to get less than if you made the deal proactively? Players were retained because... And I still am having trouble trouble making this logic connect because we were having the all-star game in Cincinnati and they didn't want to get into the business of creating some sort of fire sale. People were still going to come. People were still going to get excited. And the national media was going to write about the all-star game. Timing, research, planning, developing. And while the Reds exceed beyond anybody's expectations, with an environment, a fan-friendly park, and things to do in and around their core product, their core product continues to suffer. They have an opportunity coming up here shortly to not repeat the mistakes they made the past five summers. They have a chance to deal ball players, or should have a chance to deal ball players they deem as good ball players right now that probably won't be around and certainly not performing at the peak they're performing at when this team finally gets good again. Don't trade away your best prospects. Don't trade away players at the absolute last moment of their final contract year. Be proactive. Today is May the 6th. You have exactly eight wins this season. Be proactive while along the way, figure out all of the things that got you to this part. All of the things. Drafting, developing, coaching in your minor league system, and then when the player gets here, he doesn't stop developing. He continues to blossom. The Reds lost again last night. They play again this afternoon. Flying Pig Marathon is going on downtown right now. So this afternoon's game is a 4-10 start. Check your ticket. Don't go down before then. Might get caught in a lot of foot traffic. 
On the show today, Eno Saris, The Athletic, Guy Knows Baseball. He has two names in particular that the Reds should actively try to trade this summer. Two names right now that are performing at a fairly good, well, one certainly performing at a fairly good level, and another who is long on potential. So far, we're waiting on delivery. On the show today, Alex Meacham. If you watched last night's Cleveland Cavaliers-Toronto Raptors playoff game, you saw one of the greatest athletic achievements in your lifetime. And that's not an overstatement. Also on the show today, the Bengals passed on getting their quarterback of the future in this NFL draft. They may have to draft a quarterback next year. And if they do, what kind of pool will they be picking from? And finally, joining me, the man who won the Indianapolis 500 in 2016. Alexander Rossi joins me to talk about life of an Indy 500 champ and how it changed his young life as he took the checker flag in his rookie season. Indy Racing Month has begun in the city of Indianapolis. Chew and me, it's Sunday morning sports talk. It's 9-18 on the home of your Cincinnati Reds. News Radio 700 WLW. 700 WLW, welcome back. Sunday morning sports talk. I am Ken Brew. 924, 58 degrees right now outside. You know, why is it that we keep staying the way we are and rock stars keep getting older? Lou Graham take a little time. turned 68 years old on Wednesday. A little time to think things over. Born in New York in his early 20s, happy to catch Mick Taylor in concert in Rochester. Taylor had heard Graham and his band. And uh, for some reason, the two just struck it out off stage. Spooky Tooth, Graham's band at the time, was breaking up. He was looking to form a new band, and Taylor invited Graham to audition. And so they did. Graham was in New York, went to the tryout, passed it with flying colors. And so began a relationship with Mick Taylor that produced so many great songs. 80 million in record sales. Eight top 20 hits. And this song, which went... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. 
to number one just about everywhere in the world. Graham still tours to this date. His wife, Robin, they have five kids. Been married a long time. 68 years ago Wednesday in Rochester, by God, New York. Louis Gramatico came upon this earth. You know him as Lou Graham. One of the best front men in rock history. You want proof? Here it is. Slight chance of rain and just a little bit of a chance. Maybe a storm this afternoon. That's sunny. High 76. Great day to take a walk. Go up to my neck of the woods. Get out on the Loveland bike trail. Chance of showers, thunderstorms, low 51 tonight. And then tomorrow, slight chance of rain. Otherwise, nice. 68 for the high. Sunny, 73 on Tuesday. It's going to be a nice start to the week. 57 degrees right now at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station. News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back to the festivities. Look, I really think Bob Castellini wants to win. I have never doubted that for one moment. I think the man really and truly wants to bring a championship team here. But this team has been gutted over the last five years. Its best players were retained too long. They were traded at a trade deadline. Therefore, they did not return as much as they would have if there was some planning put in to trading them when they had more time left on their contract. It's a very simple precept of baseball. If you're going to trade a player, you get more back for that player, by and large, if that player has more service time to the team that he is going to. And to simply let an all-star shortstop like Zach Cozart walk last year was unforgivable. You, you don't trade If there isn't a need for Zach Cozart at the trade deadline last year, then have the foresight to see that there wouldn't be and back it off and trade the guy last offseason or the offseason before that because you knew at that time things weren't going to be all that rosy even in 2018. And so you wind up doing what they did with players that should have netted a better return for all of the great things that Johnny Cueto did at this, at, with this franchise. And he was, in the last decade, one of the best pitchers they had. They got Brandon Finnegan. For all of the great things that Mike Leake did, coming straight out of college baseball and pitching immediately, for all of the things he did, they got Adam Duvall. And while we can say that Duvall went healthy, and I have no idea if Duvall is healthy now or if he's just lost it or what's going on with him, hasn't been the same player since before the All-Star break last year. He's inexpensive. He's struggling. They can't, because of that, they can't even play the game of four outfielders for three outfield positions. It's very difficult to run a lineup out there and be competitive when two of those three outfielders are hitting below 200. Two players that should be dealt this summer. That's coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Eno Saris, the athletic is, uh, who writes for The Athletic, is going to join me, and we're going to talk about that. Here's Mark in Pleasant Run. Mark, good morning. You're first up. Welcome to the show. Okay, how you doing? Um, I think what you're seeing is Wayne Kripsky and Dan O'Brien built that team up. And Walt Jockney came in and screwed it up. I mean, every trade he made, 
I questioned every trade he made because he was depleting the farm system. And by this team being a small market team, I thought they should have just kept going, you know, developing their players and going the farm system route. And they still would have had a good team. So to me, I think you're seeing the effects of his screw up. Yeah, I think they rolled that. I think they rolled him a little bit too long. To me, that's the problem. Well, that's that's his he, Mark, he, Mark. That's his that that's his. Thank you for the call. That's that's his modus. He does wherever he's been. He takes he takes minor league talent somehow, crafts it, and and gets players that help you win right now. Well, if you're working for a franchise that has a large amount of money to deal with and doesn't necessarily have to rely on a minor league system, getting players through that with alacrity and to the major league level like the Reds do, then the game that you play doesn't work. It doesn't. Look at, look at, what, look at his body of work as a general manager before here, and then look at what he did here. He tried to do the same thing here. Well, you can do that if you're also producing really good minor league talent along the way. And they, they simply haven't. Certainly not over the last five to seven years they haven't. Philip Irvin, just, I mean, I, I don't mean to pick on one player, but Philip Irvin was a first-round draft pick. Now they're talking about him as being a fifth outfielder. He's not even on the major league roster anymore. They sent him down to the minors. First-round draft pick. Straight ahead, one of the greatest sports achievements that I've seen in a long, long time. And it was pulled off last night by King, LeBron James. We're going to talk to former UC basketball player and best-selling author Alex Beecham next. Sunday morning sports talk, you and me, on 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday morning sports talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. The most frightening thing in life, but it doesn't matter what it is, is knowing something is going to happen before it happens. And if that something is bad, you know there's nothing you can do, at least in human terms, to stop it. And that's how I felt the Toronto Raptors were were couched in the final eight seconds of that game last night with Cleveland. They knew LeBron James was going to take the last second shot, and they probably knew down deep there was not a danged thing they could do to stop him. LeBron James just wills his team to wins anymore. And so they say in in any sport, but particularly at the upper levels of sport, that it slows down and the game comes back to you. But for that team that was on the court last night, the five Toronto players, it had to look like slow motion. It had to look so slow, and they had to feel like their feet were stuck in mud that they could not get and defend what LeBron James did, who, by the way, not only pulled off an amazing play to get open for a shot, but then off balance, kissing it off the glass for a win in game number three. The Cleveland Cavaliers now within one win of moving on in the NBA playoffs. Over and above all of that, this guy has to be the greatest athlete of our lifetime. And I know that is a huge and wide-ranging kind of thing to say. But I challenge you to tell me who else in his sport can dominate the way James dominates. 
to Tom Brady? I don't know. Uh, do, do you go back even further to Mike? I don't know. Mike took over a lot of games in the NBA. He doesn't. He didn't seem to will his team to wins, and his supporting cast is a heck of a lot better than what LeBron James has. So I'll pose that question to Alex Meacham, best-selling author, former University of Cincinnati basketball player, and a guy that knows the game inside out. Alex, good morning. How are you? Great morning to you, Joe. Appreciate you having me on here, Ken. Yeah, would you say that LeBron James in your lifetime is the greatest athlete you've ever seen? He is. He is one of the greatest. I, I don't say he is. Um, I, I think what he does on the court is truly amazing. I mean, he dominates in a lot of different ways. He has to rebound. He has to score. He has to get assists. But he has to do that. And if you looked at Michael Jordan, who – I still believe is the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball. Michael, he could have done those things. He didn't have to do all those things. Like you said, Michael had a great supporting cast. Mm -hmm. To say he couldn't do those things is just not fair. I mean, I I really think he could have got the amount of rebounds, the assists that LeBron does now. Now, listen, LeBron is a physically – is like nothing we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. He's a great mixture of a lot of great players. He has Magic Johnson. He has Michael Jordan. You know, he has Elgin Baylor. He's got all these great players of the past all mixed in one, which makes you think he'd be the greatest ever. But I still think the story's not over. When, when his career is over, I think we can then weigh, is he the greatest basketball player of all time? I still Give that to Michael Jordan. I still say Michael, for a longer period, more consistently, was a killer at the end of games and in crunch time. And I just want to put one more thing out there real quick, Ken, and that is I was debating with some young people yesterday. And the one thing with LeBron that he's doing now is he's creating moments, iconic moments. Mm-hmm. That's what made Michael Jordan so great. It wasn't, you know, the 33.7 point, you know, a game average or, or whatever it was. It was in crunch time, those great moments, the, the great shots, the great passes. And LeBron James is having those iconic moments this year, the last couple years, and hopefully in the future. I think that's what makes you the GOAT, well, the look, greatest of all time. Look at look at this. They've played 10 postseason games the Cavaliers have yep. so far this year. And he's been 40 or more in four of those. He's averaging in the playoffs 34-4. Uh, and he's playing with basically an entire collection of role players. So you're right. He has to do that. If he doesn't right. do it, they don't win. That game, that game seven against in, in Indiana, he put 45 up and they only won by four. So it's, that, this is a crazy thing, and and I I watched that play last night with eight seconds to go, and I, I, I help help me just help me through it. Toronto mm-hmm. knew it was going going to be LeBron. Toronto no knew it, and LeBron found a way to shake uh, free a great great dribble, uh, took the ball uh, on the inbounds play, dribbled up, shook free, and then when you hit that fallback kiss off the glass. Um, I would challenge anyone to tell me more than three or four players in the league right now that could do what he did on that play. I don't think there are. 
I don't disagree with any of that. And what's what was bizarre to me, and it happened in the Pacers series as well, why the Raptors didn't send multiple guys at LeBron. Like you said, you know he's going to have the basketball. You know he's going for that last shot. You've got to send multiple guys to get the ball out of his hands. If you remember, versus the Pacers, when he hit the game winner versus the Pacers, yeah. you know he shakes free with single coverage. Yeah. To make that shot, it's like you have to double him. He's the greatest player in the game right now. And he, if you give any great player that amount of space, they're going to make great plays. Yeah. And that's where we're at with LeBron. And the other thing, too, on that is, I mean, foul the guy. I mean, give yourself at least no a chance to have the ball for, for a last-second shot. And he was missing free throws at the end. He wasn't, you know, he, he did well in the game, but he was missing free throws. We're chatting with Alex Meacham Um Walk of a Lifetime, his story with Bob Huggins on the UC campus. I saw a hardbound edition selling for over 100 bucks, Alex, on eBay. <laughs> now, that might have did been you, you that bid on it. I don't know, but it would, I mean, it's out there and people want to see it. I had did, this, you get, did you get one, Ken? I got, you, I, no, I got, did, did I get one? Now, I know you're, you're getting old, Alex, but, when, but I, I actually had you on my television show when the book came I, out and you, you autographed a copy for me. I know, but you need multiple ones so you can pass on to... Right different folks yeah right. i might give one to lebron you never know <laughs> yeah, i like see you him do. here you go <laughs> i have this i have this is this is perverse logic but but hear me through and 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 maybe you'll agree or disagree okay. i think what's going on in cleveland is a double-edged sword for the fans i think this is wonderful and and it it appears that james uh this year right now has peaked at the right time they've put the right players around him after the trade deadline. And I, I think that it's going to be a hell of a series they're going to play against Boston. I'm not going to predict, but I do think they have the ability. To- hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Beat Boston. If LeBron James, just say if, Mm -hmm. he leads that team to a championship, I think he's gone. And I think if he doesn't, I think he's gone. I think I think what motivates LeBron James right now is winning championships. He has all the money that he's ever going to need for the rest of his life. And if he determines that this cast of characters he has right now, where he had to put up 45 for them to win by four in that Indiana series, if he figures it out that it's all him and there's very little that that franchise can do after this year, I think he's out of here. Plus, if they do win, then he can ride off into the sunset and say, look, I came back, I got you two championships, and now I'm going to go seek a third someplace else. I think win or lose, he's gone. What do you think? I think you're spot on. I truly believe he's gone. You made a great point. Championships. You know, right now, I think two things are going on with LeBron James. One, 
he, he's, he's battling the, the, the GOAT. Am, am I the greatest player of all time? Everyone's talking, is he, is he better than Michael Jordan? Yeah. Championships right now is one thing that will, will help him in his case for that. So he's trying to position himself to win championships. The other piece is business. LeBron James, you know, he saw the blueprint of, of Magic Johnson, of Michael Jordan, that mm-hmm. you need to parlay basketball into business after basketball and, and build this, this empire. And LeBron's doing a great job of that. So you look at L.A., going to the Lakers. Yeah. Now, if the right pieces are there in L.A., he could win a championship, yeah. okay? He, he probably could have better pieces in L.A. than he has in Cleveland, right? Right. So in L.A., his, his business is set up there. Yeah. He has a company in yeah. L.A. And time's running out. The guy's 33. He's going to be 34 in December. I mean, no I mean doubt. as great as he is and as in phenomenal shape as he is, there are a finite number of years he's going to be able to play at this level. You know, maybe, maybe it's two, maybe it's three, maybe it's five, but it is a finite number of years, and if you're going to win and you're going to put together a team, all of that takes time. And I, I, I just sense that this could be the, the final roundup for him in Cleveland. I agree with you. And then what, what better way, like you said, let's say he has three, three maybe four years left to play. Go out on top. You know, a lot of athletes don't go out on top, still saying, I, I, I can dominate a little bit. You know, Mike, Michael obviously came back to the Wizards, but he could go out. If he could go out as a champion mm. and, and walk off that court, then walk into the business world. Yeah. I mean, what a great transition. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'd say, what, 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 I want to say one thing for it. A cool moment, I think better than the shot he hit last night. Was after he hit the shot, he's celebrating. He went over and found his two kids. Yeah, and he was celebrating. How yeah. cool was that? Yeah, I know. And that's and that's the other thing too. I mean, athletes uh, they don't want a lot of focus on their on their families, and rightfully so. I mean, there are a lot of nuts out there that would love to <laughs> stalk even someone like you, Alex. But the fact is, a lot of, a lot of these guys don't want that, and you don't often see it. But to see it last night, I thought it was it was fantastic. You're great Absolutely. to join us. Thank you for getting up early on this Sunday. We appreciate it, Alex. Thanks, Ken. Always good to speak with you. Alex Meacham, buy his book. It is a good book. Some funny stuff in there about Huggins, too. LeBron James, the GOAT, in my opinion, after last night, as Alex said, he creates moments, and man, what moments they are. Cavaliers up three zip, get a chance to finish off Toronto tomorrow night. 948, what's that mean? What's that sound? What do I hear in the distance? It is that. It is the iHeart Club Central Band. The insane iHeart Posse. You know what this means. It's time for the play of the day. Now, if you were listening last night to the radio, you know what the play of the day is. Aha, but now you've got to be the seventh correct caller. Freddie said the seventh correct caller. Now you're going to hit those. I'm going to hit you in the head with a skillet, or you're going to take some Q-tips of those ears. Seventh correct caller. Seven four nine thirty seven hundred. The play and the winner next. And now, the play of the day sounded suspiciously like this. Crowd have come down out of the concourses to their seats. Here's a high drive hit back into left center field. Shebler chasing it, and that ball is going to be a home run. 
That ball carried with a lot of heavy air in and around this ballpark. So there's Starlin Castro's home run. Now, one of the smartest people listening today is Mark Gray of the Delhi, Ohio Grays, because Mark was the seventh correct caller. So he wins two tickets to a future Reds game, and you can do the same thing, too, by listening to the game today and then cashing in tomorrow morning with Mike in the Morning, right here on 700 WLW. Just reading about that uh, shot that LeBron James took last night, apparently he practices that shot every single day. And that normally in that situation, they take the ball out at half court, but their coach... Tyron Lou said, no, let's let's take it out at, at full court because it'll give LeBron enough time to see how the play is developing defensively. And as for the shot itself, LeBron told a reporter last night, quote, don't try it at home. Eno Saris, the athletic, one of their great writers, joining me at 10.05 today to talk Reds baseball and two players the Reds may want to trade to get better as the trade line develops here now in the next, uh, well, it's less than two months. Am I right about that? Uh, maybe two and a half months. Jim is in Georgetown. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Ken, how are you doing today? All right, Jim. Hey, I was looking at the Reds lineup and the need for uh, obvious change for guys hitting below 200 in the outfield. And the Reds need to create something for the fans to get us down to the ballpark. Like, this is what we're doing well. And they're doing Nick Senzel looks like the real deal. What about this idea? Moving him up to second base, put Scooter Jeanette in left field. Shevler's your center fielder. you got to set lineup, and you go from there. So you're saying bring Senzel up, play him at second, and so to the bench would go Duvall and Hamilton. Correct. And your left fielder is Scooter Jeanette. Then, then you got a lineup with no holes. These holes right now, and Jesse Winker sitting on the bench. The guy hits 300 with a 400 on base percentage. I'm not going to the game because that's how stupid they are. Well, a couple of things on that. I, I don't know if, if it's, it's plug and play with Jeanette in the outfield. I think he can play out there. I don't know what that does to you defensively, particularly. Uh, in left field, I, I I just don't know. Uh, but I mean, is it is it something that should be considered? I, I think everything should be on the table right now. There's no question about that. Uh, with regard to uh, Senzel coming up, I I think Senzel should have been up uh, a long time ago. I think people are saying, well, you know, he wasn't hitting. Well, you know, his major league clock would start. Well, this, well, that. Well, the fact of the matter is, uh, what else you got? And if that's your future, then make your future now. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm with you on that. With regards to um, to Winker, um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're trying to protect him from, but I do think he needs to be in the lineup every day. I mean, he he's not a power guy, but he does hit for average, and he does get on base. Um, he's been battling an injury, but I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think when healthy. He should ever be out of that lineup, but I, I just, I just sometimes it, it's just not fantasy baseball. You just can't take a guy who's been playing second base and say, "Okay, now you're my left fielder." You know, I'm. Does it? Could it work? Will it work? I don't know. It could work. 
I know that he has skills to play in the outfield. We've seen that. But it's a lot of times it's just you may be giving up more defensively than you're getting from a player that's underperforming offensively. All right, Eno Saris, Baseball America, Fangraphs, now with The Athletic, and then down the road, the Bengals passed on drafting an heir apparent to Andy Dalton in this draft. Don't give me Logan Whiteside. Did they make a classic mistake? Because the horizon doesn't offer much in terms of quarterbacks in 2019. That's in the next hour on Sunday Morning Sports Talk on 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Good morning. Welcome. Sunday morning sports talk. Step right on in. It would not be the same without you. We are uh, locked, loaded, and ready to go on uh, a gorgeous Sunday. Flying Pig Marathon wrapping up later on this afternoon, 410. It's the Reds against the Marlins. On the mound for the Marlins will be the one-time Red Dan Straley. Brandon Fittigan for your Cincinnati Reds as the Reds look to win for the ninth time in 2018. Well, you know, look, as I said in the first hour, the Reds are an easy target. What will make them better, and is there any hope? And I think that's going to be a common theme you'll hear on this radio station and elsewhere as this season progresses. It's very difficult to see hope when things are just so enormously bad like they are right now. We could recite the litany of things that got the Reds into the position they're in right now. We've been over those ad nauseum. question is, how are you going to get yourself out of it? Saw a story this week written by Mark Sheldon, MLB.com. Mark's going to be with me tonight on sports of all sorts on Nine on Your Side, saying that the Reds have beefed up their Dominican program, trying to cultivate the great amount of Latin talent that exists in that country and hopefully gain some sort of help, a little boost from there. My guess is they're trying to do the same in the Far East. People say that places like China, are an untapped resource for players that could play at the major league level and contribute. And you've got the the major league draft coming up here in about a month. But all of that is for things that will help this team two, three years down the road. Even Hunter Green is at least two years down the road from helping this team. And he's hit a couple of speed bumps along the way up in Dayton. So I thought it would be a good time to bring in my good buddy Eno Saris. I've known Eno for... A long time, uh, back in the days when he cut his teeth with fan graphs and uh, now has moved on to write for The Athletic, one of their national baseball writers, holds great fan chats. I love his fan chats. He had one on Friday, and it was it was wildly hilarious. And uh, I, I asked him if he would come by and uh, and join us just to talk about where this, this whole thing is going, in his opinion, and whether or not it's as bad as it appears to be to you and to me and just a lot of people around here. So let's welcome in, from The Athletic, from TheAthletic.com, Eno Saris. Eno, good morning. Thank you for having me. So um, the last time we talked, it was right before the start of the season, and uh, we both agreed that this was not going to be 
uh, a good year for the Reds in terms of contending, but it ought to be a year where they could take somewhat of a step forward. And now here they are. They've taken maybe like a half dozen to ten baby steps forward. How bad is it out here? You know, we only see it myopically. You see it globally. How bad is it? Uh, I, I don't know. Here, here's, here, here's the good stuff that I think is happening. Good. I we we need good. We need a lot of good. Go, go, go. Okay. <laughs> I think this, this is good. It's going to sound bad, but it's good. I think it's time to give up on Billy Hamilton. I, don't, I think it sounds bad. However, it's really too bad of an offense to really put him out there for his other skills. But I didn't have, you know, you learn something there. Um, I think also there's enough in Blandino, uh, Senzel, and, and Shed Long, some of the other guys that are coming along on the infield, that Scooter Jeanette, uh, good season can be seen as a positive and a possible selling point. Um, they, they only have him for one more season after this, but I think he becomes a good. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trade um, asset for them. Um, in the, in the postseason. And on top of that, Suarez playing so well. I think Jose Peraza has actually shown enough ability with the stick to be like a league average shortstop and mm-hmm. be a part of this team going forward. Votto, you know, took a step back, but, you know, I still have confidence he's going to get, he's going to bring it together. And Shevlin took a step forward. So I think you see with the prospects and with some of the decision making that we can now make, uh, the Reds can now make on offense, that you can see the future of the Reds' offense. So I, I think what you're I think what you're saying here is that once and for all, just start a rebuild here, and not kid yourself that what what they've been doing basically is just putting band aids on problems. Once and for all, start the rebuild process because it has to well, start at some point. You're in the rebuild. I think. I mean, it's definitely. I think they're definitely in a rebuild, and they definitely have young player position prospects coming up. So um, I think in general they have been sort of trying to build. And I think on offense you're going to start to see that coming up. Senzel's coming up soon, and there's a couple other guys that are going to start to come up and and really fill out this offense. So I think the offense is in good shape. We've been talking on and on about pitching and how they failed to develop pitching prospects. They're the worst team in baseball. Uh, If you look at at players they've drafted and turning them into starting pitchers, uh, they just have this ongoing problem. The last time they were good, they had a decent pitching staff, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there I would say the, the good news is there. Um, I think Luis Castillo still looks like an ace to me. He's, the last start out, I think what we saw was that he, he, he's struggling with command of his two-seamer um, because he switched over to the two-seamer, and, but he found it a little bit in the last start. I think you saw the ace-like status again that's in him. Uh, Tyler Molly, I see something real in there, and I have a stat that we're going to debut on The Athletic next week um, of, that's a command stat. And command's really hard to get a finger on because you have to judge the pitcher's intent. But Bailey shows up really high on that list. Mm. And, you know, I, I think that is something that will be sort of the secret sauce that brings this stuff together. So I see 
I see an ace in Castillo. I see like a, a maybe a three in Melee and like a five in Romano. So you found some pieces. I want Garrett to start. That's Why it. Isn't Garrett starting. Thank you. Thank you. I was that, that was my next question. Somebody here doesn't think Amir Garrett has what it takes to start and be effective in this league. And if he does start, they're going to have to send him out to stretch his arm out, get get some more longevity out of him. I don't know what the problem is here because every time I see that guy, he looks like someone that should be a surefire major league starter. I, I don't get it, he, you know? He had the health issues last year with the hip. I understand that. Uh, and that's why his velocity is down. But in spring, you saw him pitching three, four, five innings with 94-mile-an-hour velocity. So that wasn't it. Mm. I believe in the changeup. Perhaps they don't believe in the changeup. But it doesn't matter because you're at this point in the team where it's You've got to try Garrett as a starter. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. you, 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 ah, man. And, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, even, especially with Disco out and and Finnegan, you know, sort of being mad, this is the perfect time to have Garrett in there. Even if he struggles a little bit, maybe he finds something. Garrett has ace-like stuff. So if you had Garrett and Castillo at the top of the line, at the top of the rotation, and Maley filling out the middle. All of a sudden, you're really starting to build something, and yeah. then you can see the light click, the, the light switch gone. Because if you look over in Atlanta, a rebuild only takes as long as it takes for your guys to get into the big leagues and take off, mm-hmm. right? Right. And uh, you know, put Garrett in, and if something clicks, and all of a sudden Garrett and Castillo are clicking. Whoa! Yeah. Hey, that's a, that's a legit one too. Yeah. Then you could think about buying. You yeah. know, like, and the, the Braves right now are thinking about buying because. Oh, Acuna came up, and because uh, uh, Albies has been as good or better than they even expected, and all of a sudden they've got a core to build around. So, I, I uh, the, the Garrett thing is the biggest head scratcher for me. They don't really need him in the bullpen right now. Maybe they think, you know, he's going to be their two inning glue guy. Uh, that's something you do, yeah. I think, when you're competitive. Yeah, right. Or you have it. Uh, you have a pitcher who had flamed out as a starter, and now you've got a you got somebody yeah, that can yeah. They never gave Garrett the chance. Ever. Ever. Well, they did, and then they played with his clock. They played with his clock last year, and then the wheels came flying off. Um, We're chatting with Eno Saris, theathletic.com. By the way, I follow you, uh, you know, obviously on Twitter. I'm a subscriber to The Athletic. I think it's absolutely wonderful. We have a lot of wonderful writers that, that contribute here in Cincinnati. But I'm always amused by your chat sessions because, save for a few cities, everybody is moaning about something in baseball today, aren't they? <laughs> everybody, every city is moaning about something, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> the, the weather or their team isn't as good as it's yeah. supposed to be or what yeah. I mean, today, the, the Mets fans can, can moan a little bit. Today, Matt Harvey yeah. getting DFA'd. So, you know, there's, uh, there's all sorts of... Uh, uh, of reasons for everyone to, to, to moan and groan uh, in baseball. But uh, one thing that we'd like to do in my chat that we have on Fridays is just, um, you know, let loose. A lot of it's fantasy, but then there's also sandwiches and beer and just, uh, <laughs> just a little bit of inanity. Um, and, uh, yeah, generally, it's been, a, it's been a big week over the Athletic. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, that uh, Trevor Bauer uh basically cheated on purpose in order to show everybody what cheating looked like. <laughs> did you catch that? Yeah, I did catch that, yes. yes. Yeah, he put, he put pine tar in his yeah. fingers for one inning just so he could get the data and see what it looked like. 
Yeah, it was it was, it was pretty funny. It, it, it's a great website. I'll I'll tell you what. You know, I got to have you on more often because the, the way you talk there about the Reds, I think you know people may think it's blue smoke, but you're right. It's not all that difficult. But you got to try things when you have the opportunity to try, and they have that opportunity now. They have the luxury of experimenting with a lot of things, and 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 hopefully. That's that that happens out here because this this has gone on far too long. This is a good baseball town that's that's starting to sour and it shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, for example, like if you're thinking about Eric Garrett, you know why why there why is he not the starting rotation? The reason that Billy Hamilton is still in center field is because they're hoping he'll show either trade value or find something, right? Yeah. Well, that's what exactly how you should be thinking about Eric Garrett. You know, he should be just starting until you're absolutely sure he can't start. Right. So. Right. I mean, they've done it. They did it with Cody Reed. They gave him plenty of chances to succeed here at the major league level, and he didn't seize the moment for whatever reason. So why not uh, Amir Garrett? You know, it's always great having you on. Eno Saris, the athletic, there's a lot of reasons to subscribe to that, and he is one of the primary ones. Thank you, Eno. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course, Amir Garrett is is out this weekend on uh, bereavement leave, but we'll be back. I just, yeah, that's one I don't get. I I know last year he had a hip problem, uh, but started off so strongly and then was sent to the minors to either curtail his major league clock or let him pitch. There was it was some sort of ex- explanation. Let him pitch down there, so because they there weren't any games for him to pitch up here. I just, I think I think they, I think you got to get past that. First of all, if you're protecting a pitcher's clock if you're trying to protect his major league clock so he doesn't hit super two status too soon or he doesn't hit arbitration too soon or gets an extra year of arbitration or gets free agency too soon um, I could see that for a position player with a player who happens to be a pitcher you look at the stats sometimes if not all the time within those six years that you have control over him, he's going to have a major arm problem. So you're going to lose him for downtime for that anyway. I, 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 tend, to, I tend to agree with Saris. I think Castillo eventually comes around. I just think he's a good pitcher that is having trouble this year. I think Bailey is steady. They provided absolutely no run support for Homer Bailey. I think Romano pitches okay. I don't think he's great, but I think he's okay. And uh, when you mix in with Tyler Malley and what uh, what he did last night and what he's done so far, you get Amir Garrett in there, then there's, there's a semblance of a rotation that might be something. But everybody has, has, everybody has known for the last three years the problem with this organization, the problem with winning at this level is lack of quality pitching, be it bullpen or starting pitching. So why not experiment now? Mir Garrett comes back, send him to Louisville for a couple of weeks, stretch his arm out, bring him up, let him start. 1020 News Radio, 700 WLW. 700 WLW, welcome back to Sunday Morning Sports Talk. I want to wish the great Bob Seeger 
A happy 73rd birthday today. No doubt at home, still recovering from neck surgery that knocked him off his tour last fall. But from what I understand, he's doing a lot better. You always won every time you plays the best. It's called hitting the post, by the way. You're still damn good. I can't believe it's been 40 years. This is, uh, this is his 10th studio album. Think about that. In 1978, he was 33, and Seeger already had 10 studio albums. The album, by the way, was released 40 years ago yesterday. Cut this part of the album uh, with a silver bullet band. He did some work in Muscle Shoals with the Muscle Shoals rhythm section. Cut part of the album in Michigan, part of it in Miami. Song peaked at number four in the summer of 78, by the way. 100 million records, downloads, CDs, actual vinyl pushed by the bullet in his career. As I said, he's recovering from neck surgery and uh, sounds like he's going out on the road again this summer. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, class of 2004. 73 years ago today in Detroit, Bobby Seeger came upon this earth. Slight chance of rain and storms today. Yeah, you know, slight means what? It could happen, it couldn't happen. High of 76, low tonight 51, maybe some rain tomorrow. Otherwise, looks good. High 68, Tuesday looks good. High 73, 61 degrees at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station. News Radio 700 WLW. Coming up, 1035, did the Bengals blow it? By not drafting a quarterback of the future this year, because next year's crop of quarterbacks does not look all that great. Bill Bender from the Sporting News joins us to talk about that. Right now, let's go to the north side, and here's Keith. Hi, how are you doing? All right, Keith. I haven't had a chance to call you in a long time, because I've moved and have a nice house in the Seven Hills area now. But... um I want to tell you where and how the Cincinnati Reds have really messed up over the last several years when it comes to rebuilding their organization. What they should have done is they, they should have traded the players they traded away or let go like Zach Cozart. Uh, they should have gotten rid of them at the right time, not the wrong time. Yeah. And then what they should have done is they should have put it out through accidentally or purposely through Major League Baseball. That, uh, we unload these players. We do not want to get snookered with any of your cast-off minor league prospects. What we want for these players when we trade them away is real specific. We want first and second round major league baseball draft picks. Well, uh, here, here's here's the problem, Keith, and your phone is... Sorry, uh, I'm happy you moved. You need to get a better phone. Uh, the fact of the matter is, Keith, you only get in return what the other guy wants to give you. And you're right about the timing. You get more when you trade players that have service time they can give to the team that they're going to. The more time that they have to give to the team they're going to, the more time they have before they become free agents, by and large, you get more in return. And the Reds have done a poor job of that for whatever reason. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For whatever reason, that has hampered this team too. Look at the Araldis Chapman deal. Just look at the players that came back here in the Araldis Chapman deal. Araldis Chapman was a premier closer in this game. Still to this day is. Look at who they got in return. Same thing for Johnny Cueto. The longer you hold on to a player, the less you will get back from him in return. Straight ahead, did the Bengals blow it? Next on News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. 10.37 on this Sunday morning and good morning. So in Baltimore, it appears the Ravens have drafted their quarterback of the future. It might have happened in Pittsburgh. It definitely happened in Cleveland. But here in Cincinnati, it was players who can play now. That's who the Bengals seem to have chased in the NFL draft that concluded about a week. Well, it did conclude a week ago yesterday. Players who can play now. They are staying the, 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 the course with Andy Dalton. And for the foreseeable future, he is the Bengals' quarterback. But what if? What if this season is like the last two? And what if their head coach goes sailing into the sunset? What happens to the Bengals now? I'm looking at the list of the class of 2019 that was published this week by the Sporting News and our good buddy Bill Bender. It is um, a less than impressive list. Let's just put it that way. And if indeed your game plan is to get a quarterback, have that quarterback learn on the job, and then eventually play, two years down the road, the Bengals could be done with Andy Dalton, and they may not have a guy in-house to replace him. So did they blow it in this last NFL draft? Let's bring the aforementioned Bill Bender into the conversation. Bill, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. We're actually driving back from Somerset, Kentucky. My cousin had a wedding, and um, it was a good time down there. So we're not too far out of the Cincinnati area right now. So you're asking if you can stop by and pick me up for breakfast when I'm done? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, we're going straight to a Little League game. You know, it's oh, this time okay. of year. I got but you. I'm, yeah, so I'm sniffing you for Little League baseball. But, yeah, like you said, I, I, I mean, right off the top uh, of what you said in the opener there, I think it's interesting that, the Ravens grabbed Lamar Jackson and, and the Bengals fans and the Browns fans and the Steelers fans that I know, and, and what an eye-opener that was for them to grab him at the end of the first round. Well, here's my, here's my thinking. I know, I know that this is a win-now mentality. Marvin Lewis is on a two-year contract. The core players that they have here in a year or two are going to be on the back nine, uh, so they really, want to, they really want to address this now, and they address their greatest problem, which is offensive line, both in trade that led to the draft and with Billy Price as their first-round uh, selection. But in the, in the off chance that this doesn't work out, they're in a pickle 
uh, when it comes to who is the next quarterback that leads this team? Because I'm looking at the list you put out this week. Uh, Bill, Nick Fitzgerald, Mississippi State, Ryan Finley, North Carolina State, Trace McSorley, Penn State. I don't sense any of those guys have Super Bowl trophy winner in their future. It, it is a lean crop next year, is it not? It really is. I mean, um, I like McSorley as a college quarterback, and I think what you're going to see with him is this: the college guys like me really like him versus the NFL guys will have questions just because of his size, and you're already seeing some loose comparisons to Baker Mayfield. I do like him. I like Will Greer for West Virginia, but, I mean, again, you're going to talk about the system and can he fit in the NFL and those kind of things. But overall, this next year's class, that 2019 top 10 and 11 quarterbacks, is nowhere near what we had this year with five guys that were definitely going in the first round and then Mason Rudolph a few rounds later, who who – I thought could have been a second-round pick, but the Steelers handled that right by taking him in the third. Baker Mayfield is going to play at some point in Cleveland this year. Uh, Mason Rudolph may or may not. Do you think Rudolph was drafted with the idea that he is going to replace Ben Roethlisberger eventually? I think they they were able to do that in a way that because he was a third-rounder, and Big Ben has already said he's not going to mentor him. I'm I'm not real hung up on that, although I think he should mentor him a little bit. I think this allows Big Ben the freedom to play one, two, even three more seasons, and they have a legitimate backup plan behind them, a plan for the future, because you saw Landry Jones play, and you've seen some of their other backup options play. Those weren't real options for life after Big Ben. But I think Mason Rudolph, at the very least, is a plan should that happen at the end of this year. I find it intriguing that Baltimore traded up and got Lamar Jackson. Uh, knowing full well they have Joe Flacco, and it's a Flacco-designed offense. Lamar Jackson does other things that Flacco can't. And they also have a, a head coach who is in a position not unlike Marvin Lewis. But somehow, some way, even with a general manager's chair in transition, they went ahead and drafted Jackson, what I'm sure they could have had other needs to, uh, to fill. Why do you suppose they did that? Well, I mean... I think it's to light a fire under Joe Flacco. I mean, three years without making the playoffs, uh, kind of some mediocre seasons in Baltimore. I mean, there's always been talk about John Harbaugh and how long he'll last there. I, I think it's a message to Joe Flacco that you got to play or, or this guy behind you, we're going to give him a shot. Because I think Lamar Jackson will be successful if he's not rushed into the NFL. And what, I, what it really is, and, and that's what makes the AFC North so interesting to me, is I really thought going into this draft, that Lamar Jackson could have fit into the Steelers' future plan, could have fit into the Bengals' future plan. Uh, not so much the Browns, because I knew they were going to go with, with either Baker or Darnold at number one. But even And then the Ravens are the team that actually takes him. And again, like I said, I, I know so many Browns fans, they were like, I was not happy that Baltimore drafted Lamar Jackson because he's a playmaker. Yeah. And I think, you know, don't, doesn't that make sense? Sure it does. Sure it does. Bill Bender, SportingNews.com, our guest. Well, let's let's visit about the Bengals here. Andy Dalton's contract is up after the 2020 season. So you've got two more years of Andy Dalton after this year. Um, At some point, they're going to have to figure out a few things about that. If, indeed, they decide they want to keep him, they can try and negotiate a contract with Andy Dalton, which will be a contract that will cost them a boatload of money. They could franchise tag him. That will cost a boatload of money. If they go the free agent route, if Kirk Cousins is getting $27.5 million dollars, 
per season on the open market. Dalton would certainly command that. Uh, the, the easiest route would have been to draft somebody and have him sit and watch. And then if you need him in a year or two, he's ready to go. I, I, I understand, uh, Bill, why they wouldn't do Jackson in round one. They needed line help. But after that, would you not have tried to position yourself so you could have traded up to get somebody like, for example, Mason Rudolph? No, that, that's exactly right. I think that's the play there. And, I, and when you're talking about Next year's class, I don't see an option there unless somebody comes out of the woodwork. Like, uh, I would say, I'll give you an example. Unless Shea Patterson has yeah. this out-of-this-world yeah. season. I think, Drew, I, think, I think Drew Locke is a, I think Drew Locke could. Uh, I mean, he's got the dimensions of a quarterback, right. and, and he obviously has had a lot of success at Missouri. But I, I think dimensionally and what he offers, if, if, if he has the normal season he would have after last season, where I think he threw like 40, 45 touchdown passes, I would say that's a guy maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a guy that, that battles for everything he can in Missouri and can throw it around. And then if you want to look way down the line, and, I, and you know, you, you and I have talked enough that I try not to be Mr. Hot Take, but right. I think that in two years, Tua Tungabailoa will be that quarterback that everybody wants. And I think that development's coming at Alabama. And uh, it'll be interesting to see that. But I don't know if the Bengals want to wait that long and hope that they're in position to draft a guy like him or Jake from two years from now. But, but yeah, that's a good point about Drew Locke, a guy that if you don't know much about him, you know, back half of last season, he played as well as anybody, and he fought and scratched and clawed to help Missouri win in a tough division that, that some of those wins didn't make sense. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what he does with a new offensive coordinator this year. On his way to a Little League baseball game, no doubt <laughs> where he will be bad dad screaming at coach and screaming at kid. It's great to have Bill Bender with us, as always. Thank you, Bill. Oh, anytime, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Drew Locke, um, big guy, 6'4", 225, fairly mobile. I got it right here in front of me now. 44 touchdown passes. Did the Bengals, in your opinion, fail to take care of their future? The Lamar Jackson thing, I can understand. They need players that can play right now. We've gone through four years of A.J. McCarron sitting behind Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton is the starter, TFN, because Marvin Lewis is the coach there. Marvin Lewis isn't going to cut and run on Andy Dalton now. He's their guy, and they believe the only thing that was missing from Andy Dalton's game the last couple of years were people that could adequately protect him. Now they feel they have him. But Dalton in two years is looking for a big payday, Anybody would, and it will cost Boku dollars to keep him. Did they miss out on a chance in this recently completed draft? We'll go to the phones next. 749-7000. Sunday morning sports talk on 700 WLW. 1052, 700 WLW. 11.05 today, I'll be joined by 2016 Indianapolis 500 winner Alexander Rasse. Talk a little racing. Big, big month coming up up in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, let's go to the phones. Here's Chris in Sydney. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How you doing? I'm, oh, I hope you are well, because I am, Chris. <laughs> Great. Hey, I don't know if the Bengals blew it by not drafting a quarterback. You said Andy's, did you say Andy's got two more years and then he could leave? Yeah. Well, and do you really think that he'll, I don't know, he's adequate, but do you really think he'll hit the jackpot in two years? Well, I mean, look at Kirk Cousins. Look what happened to him. 
I mean, that's the, true. The going right now. I mean, you got Matt Ryan making making thirty million a year right now. Now Ryan has gotten his team to a Super Bowl. I mean, if if this team has any playoff success in the next two years, you bet he's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Well, I'll. Uh, I guess I, I feel that you know they addressed the need that they really had to hit this year uh, early on in the draft. And, you know, I, I guess I'll say that. You know, it seems like every year when you get the draft time, there's a lot of good quarterbacks there. So we'll hope that there's five or six there, uh, five or six of them there again next year. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you for the call. Yeah, Dalton's contract, he is under contract for this season, next season, and 2020. And then he is an unrestricted free agent. So if you follow the logic of trying to draft a quarterback and have him learn and not have to have him play right away, uh, the Bengals basically have the 2019 and the 2020 draft to accomplish that. Actually, they have the 2019 draft because you would want that player to sit for the uh, for the 2019 season, maybe play in 2020, maybe you draft him in 2020, you let him sit. Either way, it's going to cost you a boatload of money if you elect to keep Andy Dalton. And you can just look at what, for example, Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan got in this past in this past off season. Here now in Dayton is Terry. Terry, welcome to the show. Hi, Ken. Hi, Terry. Hey, I listen to you every uh, every uh, Sunday morning. You got a great show. I love your music tapes and, and Thanks, that Terry. kind of thing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, with the Bengals, it's the future is now. I thought it's hilarious when you mentioned what if uh, Marvin Lewis walks. Uh, two years from now, he's got a lifetime contract with the Bengals. I mean, he's got something on Mike Brown, I think. <laughs> well, I think he does a lot of things that Mike Brown doesn't want to do, like deal with the public and deal with the media, and Marvin fulfills that. He, he is, in yeah. essence, the face of the franchise, so yeah. Yeah, they're not looking into the future. They're looking for right now, and right. Uh, I can't really disagree with what they did. They did address the offensive line, which is job one. Um, and I would predict that, especially if Dalton is successful in the next couple of years. And they- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He becomes a free agent. Bengals won't keep him. Well, that's my. But that's see that's uh, see that uh, Terry. That's my point. What are the at, at that point then? At that point then, are you in scramble mode? Uh, rare is it that quarterbacks hit the free agent market. Starting quarterbacks, good starting quarterbacks. There were specific sets of circumstances that allowed it to be so this year for a couple of really good free agent quarterbacks. But by and large, they don't hit the open market. So, no, I agree totally with what they did. You've got to have players that can play now for a number of reasons. I went all through this yesterday. I won't go through it again today. And you had to figure out a way to fix an offensive line that gave up 81 sacks over the last two seasons. Now, I'm not saying Billy Price and Cordy Glenn completely fixed the problem, but you had to start somewhere. So what they did, and you have to include Glenn because 
That was part of the roster stocking process. You had to include Glenn. But I, I, I just wonder if in the most important position on the field, if they're not playing a little bit of a game of chicken here. Jeff Driscoll looks interesting. Nobody knows what he, he can do. I don't think you really want Matt Barkley out on the field for any extended amount of time if you're the Bengals. Uh, I Logan Woodside, I mean, six-round draft pick. Okay, you're going to roll the dice and hope he's another Tom Brady? I don't know. I do know this, that by and large, your your best chances of winning in the NFL are with quarterbacks that come to you in the upper rounds of an NFL draft. So I, I don't know. I agree with what they did off the top. I just wonder if they should have repositioned themselves to possibly address the future at that position as the draft wore on. Are the three guys that they got after Billy Price collectively better than what, for example, Lamar Jackson what, for example, Mason Rudolph may be. I don't know. There are ways to there were ways for them to get up back in that first round again, and they elected not to. Mark is uh, going to join in and weigh in. Mark, good morning. Hey, good morning, Ken. How are you this morning? Okay. Hey, I you know I, I totally agree with what the Bengals did. I I think the Bengals over the years have been a team that have fallen in love with a marquee player, a wide receiver, a quarterback. You know the pizzazz. And football is one up front on the line of scrimmage. You have to block and tackle to win. I don't care who the quarterback is. If you can't protect them, you're not going to be able to throw the ball down the field. Yes, correct. And I, and I think this notion that Lamar Jackson might be the next Tom Brady, how many quarterbacks in the last 20 years that have basically won Super Bowls have been drafted in the first or second round? Well, Very no, few of them. Yeah, but, but – but that's where you're going to have your best chance. You know, Brady is is the exception, Mark. He's not the rule. Well, I mean, you got Russell Wilson. He was not a first or second round pick. Um, he well, was a that, third or that, fourth that, round pick. That was my point. It wasn't necessarily that they should have passed on Billy Price. I think they did the right thing. I'm just wondering if collectively the next three guys that they drafted, are they better than what it would have been to try and trade up and get somebody that would address the quarterback position. Well, I, I think, you know, that's that's all speculation, but I think the other notion that in the next year or so, we're not going to have two or three guys that are going to emerge as really good top potential NFL quarterbacks. Well, that's true, I, we, too. That's true, we've too. Seen, we've seen a lot of development. I mean, last year, going to, last year, Let's say two years ago, who would have thought Baker Mayfield would have been the first player drafted? No, nobody would have predicted that. Right. I mean, so we really don't know. Uh, you know, if 18, 19, and 20 years old, a lot of development can happen. A lot of change can happen. And, you know, the Bengals over the years, if the one thing the Bengals have done well at drafting over the years is the Bengals have had some pretty good quarterbacks over the years, and, and most of them they've drafted and developed. So, you know, I think that's one thing the Bengals have been able to do over the years. They've been able to find a quarterback that basically, you know, can, well, can do what they want to do. Yeah, they, they did it with Carson Palmer, and they did it with Andy Dalton. They certainly didn't do it with David Klingler and Achilles Smith. But, yeah, they, 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 they have at that position in recent years, and by recent in the, last, in the last 15 years or so, they've done well. But they've only really had two guys, right? They both panned out really well. It's, it's a devil's advocate kind of discussion. 
because you always have to have an eye towards the future. You always have to have an eye towards the, the future, especially with the most important position on the field. But I don't, I don't disagree for one minute with them going offensive line. Said that long before the draft. We'll continue to say it. It's kind of like pitching in baseball. You can never have enough of it. Alexander Rossi, 2016 Indy 500 champ, joins us next. Sunday morning, Sports Talk 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday morning sports talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. 11.06, if you ran in the Flying Pig Marathon today, congratulations. And safe trip home. Jump in a tub of ice and have yourself a cold one. Uh, It's going to be a gorgeous day today, too, by the way. If you're just uh, sticking your nose outside, 76 for the high. They say maybe just a slight chance of a shower. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes you run out of gas. Pretty much life. Sometimes when the other guy runs out of gas, you win. So was it in 2016 for rookie Alexander Rossi who in his first Indianapolis 500 won the whole dang thing, largely because he and uh, one of his team owners, Brian Herta, both figured out how to consume fuel in the latter stages of the race. And just barely, he crossed the finish line in front of everybody else. And I'm wondering if that changed his entire life. Well, I'm going to ask him because he's standing by right now. Alexander Rossi, 2016 Indianapolis 500 champion. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. I was told by Tom Sneva, who drove Indy cars a long, long time ago, probably long before you were born, that he said every time he walked into the brickyard that the hair on the back of his neck stood up. Does that happen to you? Uh, in a way, yes. I mean, I think that there's there's an energy and a, and an excitement about that place, even if you go in the middle of November, um, that exists. And, and it's just because of, of the scale of it and how, how massive it is as a racetrack. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's a very special place. And, um, you know, there's a reason why they do tours there year-round. Mm-hmm. And for sure, as a driver, to, to be able to, to drive under, you know, the short shoot between turns one and two, Especially on a, on a day where you get to drive, it's it's a very special feeling. Well, I would I would imagine, and and obviously it was a, an extra special feeling for you a couple of years ago. How did how did winning the Indianapolis five hundred in twenty sixteen change your life? You know, I I think it gave me a lot of um, professional opportunities that, that probably wouldn't have necessarily existed had that not happened. I mean, I was able to to kind of sign an extension with Andretti Autosport and, and um, we were able to, to have Napa Auto Parts come on for, for the next couple of years and, and we've developed a very strong partnership with them and their headquarters based out of Atlanta. Um, my relationship with Honda and the team's kind of commitment to Honda I think all kind of stemmed from, you know, our, our success together in 2016. So, you know, I don't think... It's hard to put into scale because you don't know what would have happened otherwise. But, you know, I definitely am very appreciative for, for that opportunity to compete in the 100th running. And then the fact that, you know, I had a car and a team that was good enough to, to allow me to win is 
is a very special uh, thing that I'm very, very grateful for. Yeah, and and the way you won that race, on, you were with me on the TV side the night that you won in 2016, and it, it was a discussion that we had about fuel management and just how you had to technically be so sound from the bottom of your team all the way up to the top. And for what sure. you were telling me, uh, and, and help me help me piece this story together, really, uh, Brian Herder was a guy that kind of guided you through that whole fuel issue, the final 15 or so laps, correct? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and, it and as much as it came into everyone's realm of, of understanding of what we were doing with 15 laps to go, we had really made the decision with about 100 laps to go of, of what our, our long-term strategy was going to be and, and how we were going to skip a pit stop and, and try and do it on, on one last stop than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was a decision that Brian initially made, but then, you know, on the, the engineering stand that's kind of communicating with me, there was, there was five other guys who were – we're coming up with the scenarios and the situations and the numbers of, of how that was going to work and, and the lack of probability of how that was actually going to happen. And, um, you know, my assistant engineer at the time, Nick, who was in charge of, of all the fuel kind of mileage and the calculations, he, he said from about lap 168, 166, actually, he was like, we will – run out on lap 199 halfway through the lap. Like, that is that is 100% what's going to happen. Wow. Wow. And um, it did. So he was able to calculate it to the exact spot, um, 34 laps in advance, which is just a testament to how good that, that my team was and, and how precise they were with what they were doing with, with the plan that that Brian kind of crazily came up with in his mind. Yeah. I mean, as you came out of turn four, it looked like you were going about 30 miles an hour. I mean, it was, I knew you were going, I mean, it was like 180, but it just, it just looked like you were, you were on a coast to the finish line. I mean, we were, <laughs> we weren't under power anymore. Yeah. We were just kind of coasting there. And you now it was, it was a surreal thing for me because I was fully expecting, it was my teammate Carlos who was behind me. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it was under obviously full power. I was fully expecting him to kind of just drive by me a hundred miles an hour faster than I was going. And that was just going to be the way it was. And then when it didn't, it was, uh, it was pretty surprising, I think, for, for everyone. I mean, not only just me, but the, the fans, the television commentators, the team itself. I mean, yeah. it was just. I don't think any of us really believe that we can pull it off. Yeah, uh, we're chatting with Alexander Rossi, 2016 Indianapolis 500 champ. You wrote, uh, you raced at a number of different uh, levels before you arrived in IndyCar. And I remember reading somewhere, and I don't know where it was, that growing up you were aware of the Indianapolis uh, 500. You watched it as a kid growing up, but you really weren't all that enamored with with that kind of racing. And so you arrive in 2016 through a series of circumstances, and boom, it's just almost like, you know, lightning strikes. I, I, I guess it just shows how random life can be, right? Um, yeah, random or the, the, the old saying of, of how when one door closes, another one opens. I, mean, I don't really know, but it's, uh, it was very interesting because Michael Andretti had, had never had a fourth car in IndyCar before. And um, the, the opportunity for him to run a fourth car came about right as my um, kind of F1 contract slash team was, was going through a pretty big change and, and I was without a, without a ride for 2016. And the phone call came within, you know, a, a kind of a three or four day period of me realizing that I was going to be racing F1 in 2016. So it's, uh, 
it's very crazy how all that came together. And, and from when Michael called to us having the deal done was about a week. Wow. And, um, wow. and obviously we go on to, to what we did in May and, and here we are almost three years later. Yeah. I mean, here we are in May. And of course it's just, it, it's just unbelievable what goes on at that track up there, the various races, the celebratory atmosphere in the city of, of uh, Indianapolis. And I'm, I'm just guessing that last time, this time a year ago, that it was almost, you know, kind of a little overwhelming considering you were the returning defending champ. Uh, do you think it will be different this month, or do you think it will be just the same as it always is? Um, I, I'd imagine it'll probably be the same. I mean, obviously, Takuma is, is the guy doing the media tours. Right. He's the, the face on the ticket and the face, you know, above the main entrance of the speedway, so for sure. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He, uh, he's going to be the center of attention, but I think going into it is. Is, is hopefully a contender and um, as someone who's won it, you know, recently, you know, I think that there's obviously always going to be that, that attention and, and it's a special month for all of us. I mean, for all 33 guys that, that are racing, I mean, it's such a unique opportunity to be able to compete in the biggest race in the world. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter what your previous experience is. I mean, but for sure it'll never be like it was in 2016 for me coming in when literally nobody knew who I was and I didn't talk to anyone and I kind of just went about my own thing and, and, uh, that, that was me done. Um, for sure, for sure. My life, I guess how you asked how it changed for sure. The Indy 500 will will never be the same. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's a month unlike any other, and it's so exciting anymore with all the uh, events they have going on up there. Um, listen, uh, Alexander, we really appreciate your time here on uh, 700 WLW. Good luck as the month progresses. And uh, first things first, well, are you going to race in the Grand Prix? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a full month for you up there, no question. But thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yes, no worries at all. Have a good one. Uh, Grand Prix practice is this coming Friday, and then uh, Saturday is race day, and then Indy 500 practice starts Tuesday, a week from this Tuesday, May the 15th, and uh, it just takes off right from there. Um, uh, Bump day is Saturday. Uh, Oh, man, it's just uh, the uh, fast uh, Friday practice is May the 18th, and then, of course, race day is uh is the end of the month it's um it's a full week in indianapolis full week town is just engulfed in racing right now but it's amazing just how uh how how success finds you and it found him when everybody else it seemed like on that track on that day in 2016 just did not gauge their fuel properly and he took a risk and drove the proper way which was no small trick for a rookie and brought the prize home. Alexander Rossi, good guy. Coming up on uh, 11-16, down the road, analyzing the Bengals draft and whether or not any of these guys they drafted can play right away. And who was the steal in the Bengals draft? It's Sunday morning. It's you and me on 700 WLW. 700 WLW and welcome back. 
Sunday morning sports talk. Never a bad time, any time, for a little Rolling Stones. Do you remember Exile on Main Street? The album? 36 years ago this week, the Stones released it. Some of it recorded in L.A., some of it recorded in the basement of a house that Keith Richards was renting in France to get away from tax problems in England. And this was the lead single off the album, which uh, I think it had, it was a top ten song. It wasn't a number one hit, but it was a top ten song about 36 years ago this summer. I'll show you how incestuous the music industry is. Last, uh, last hour I played Still the Same by Bob Seger. He had backup singers on that song by the name of Clyde King and Vanetta Fields, and they're doing the same thing here on this song. Um, as I recall, I, the, the Stone, there was a couple of documentaries that came out on the Stones eh, maybe six, seven years ago. And originally, this song had a much faster pace to it, much faster tempo. And uh, after they laid it down in the studio on tape, Jagger didn't like it, didn't really like the words. And uh, he just kind of like took off for a while and something about dice, he said, just bounced into his head. And so when they went back to the studio, they slowed it down a little bit, incorporated that, that dice thing that popped into his head. And what do you know, they had themselves a, a big old hit. You got Mick Taylor on this uh, album. First, the first album he was on extensively for the Stones. So there was an adjustment there. And a lot of the songs on Exile and Main Street were songs that didn't make the cut for Sticky Fingers. That was out before it. And you had Jagger, who was commuting between France and England because his, his then-girlfriend, uh, later wife, Bianca Jagger, was pregnant. So it was a real catharsis. But Rolling Stone magazine, I want to say maybe seven, eight years ago, ranked the top 500 albums of all time in rock and roll music. And uh, this one came in at number seven, Exile on Main Street. Number seven, ahead of Abbey Road, ahead of the Beatles' White Album. 36 years ago this week, it hit the streets. Slight chance of rain today. 76 for the high. Chance of showers and thunderstorms. Low of 51 tonight. And then maybe some rain tomorrow, but probably not. High of 68. 65 right now. At the Tri-State Severe Weather Station News Radio, 700 WLW. In a moment. Vinny Iyer is going to help break down the Bengals draft, what happened, what didn't happen, what could have happened, and maybe what should have happened. All coming up in just a little bit. It is time now, as we do every Sunday, to salute the Cullen Electric Electrifying Player of the Week, brought to you by Cullen Electric Wiring for today's world, CullenElectric.com. Now, you're going to be surprised by this. I am fairly certain you're going to be surprised by this, but do you know which Reds batter had the best week? Like in the last seven days. Seven days would be a week, right? Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton, five hits in 13 at-bats. Two walks to go with that. 385 average in the last week and an on-base percentage of 467. Now, you know what? I'd take 100 points off that average 
and I take 100 points off that OBP, and I would take Billy Hamilton right now. Unfortunately, we we know that has not been the case for him all season long. He's hitting 198. His on-base percentage is just barely above 30%. But a big week for Billy Hamilton, so why not make him the Cullen Electric, electrifying player of the week? And therein lies the rub for the Reds. I, I got an email here a little while ago from John, who's a loyal listener up in New Philadelphia. He says, how many times have the Reds already been shut out? Wonder if they can break that record for one season. Well, so far this season, the Reds have played in 23 games, and they have been shut out five times, counting last night. And and the issue is that this team, over and above the, the pitching that just hasn't been there for a number of seasons, the hitting has not been there, by and large, so far this year. And firing Brian Price wasn't going to take care of that, and firing the pitching coach wasn't going to take care of that. Those things are attention grabbers for a day, maybe. Locker room chatter for a day, and then everybody realizes that the problems you had before you fired Brian Price are the same problems you have after him. But one of the real problems is with Hamilton and Adam Duvall and this whole four outfielders in three spots. It sounded really good in the spring, didn't it? And Brian Price was going to massage this so it would work. He would play the hot hand, and he would play the, the, the guy that was having the best time of it at that time. And eventually, through injury and lack of performance, it would take care of itself. It sounded, it sounded great. Except when you have two of those four outfielders hitting under 200, it makes it very difficult to play four outfielders for three positions. He can't play Billy Hamilton and Adam Duvall in the same lineup unless he absolutely has to. Jesse Winker has been dealing with an injury lately. Scott Shebler was out earlier this year after getting uh, getting injured. So, I mean, it just, it just hasn't, it hasn't happened. Now, Shebler is back and is hitting the ball well. And Winker, one would think that when he's good to go, is going to hit the ball well. But you simply can't play Duval and... And Hamilton in the same outfield, all things being equal. They just, they're, they're not hitting. You'd probably play Duvall ahead of Hamilton simply because he can run into a pitch and hit one over the wall or hit a fly ball and drive in a run. But think about this. Two of your three, two of your four outfielders, one guy is faster than lightning but can't get on first base. The other guy has built his reputation as this great power hitter. And he's got three home runs since last August. So this four outfielders, three positions hasn't really worked out. Bengals draft. People still want to talk about it because guess what? Rookie minicamp is coming up this week. And they'll begin to see exactly what they bought last weekend. More on that next. It's Sunday morning sports talk. It's you and me on 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. It's 1136 and good morning. Glad you're with us. I... 
I think it's it's tough to give grades on a draft just completed. I think you really and truly need to wait a couple of years to see uh, exactly how the players you took pan out. Now, I remember back in in 2015 when the Bengals elected to take Cedric Obwehi with their first-round pick, they got high marks. It looked like a depth pick, something for their future. A lot of people like that. They like Jake Fisher. Uh, I remember in uh, 2013 when Tyler Eifert was drafted, everybody seemed to like that pick, that first-round pick. They thought that it was uh, a terrific pick. And we all know now about what happened with Obwehi, to a lesser extent Fisher, and what's gone on with Tyler Eifert. It's difficult to give instant analysis. But by and large, looking around the country after the Bengals' draft last weekend, by and large, the Bengals got... At best, an average grade. Joel Corey from CBS Sports on with me last week. He called the draft, quote, end quote, predictable. Pro Football Focus, which is based right here. You know the story behind them. They they grade every player on every play in every game every season. Overall grade average. In fact, in some instances, Sam Hubbard, uh, Andrew Brown, the defensive lineman from Virginia, Uh, They got below-average grades. Jesse Bates III, according to ProFootballFocus.com, he got a 78.3. I I think they did okay, but I don't know. You don't know. I don't think anybody knows until they get these players in camp, get them in pads, and they start playing games. But philosophically, I think they did okay. They got a tackle in Cordy Glenn. That was a swapped draft pick. It was all part of the draft process. They drafted a center who seems like he is going to be someone that won't play like he's on roller skates. That's important at center because a lot of NFL teams anymore value interior pressure over edge rush. That's important. I think it's good because the Bengals over the course of the last two seasons have given up 81 sacks. And that's with Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler extracted from that equation, whom together two years ago in a season when the Bengals gave up 41 sacks were only directly responsible for five of those. You cannot play in the NFL like you have an arena football league team. You can have all of the excitement at wide receiver. You can have a running back that can run like a gazelle. You can have a quarterback that can fling the ball, but you have to block and you can tackle, and those are basic precepts of the NFL that haven't changed in the last 75 years. So I like what they did, but everybody seems to think that, not everybody, but a vast majority of folks seem to think that what the Bengals did was... Nothing exciting. Vinny Iyer, SportingNews.com. Grade for the Ravens, A-. Grade for the Steelers, A-. Grade for the Browns, B. Grade for the Bengals, B-. Let's bring Vinny Iyer into the discussion. As I said, he is their national, SportingNews.com, National Football League writer. And it's great that he can join us now here on this Sunday morning. Vinny, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ken. Always a good time to be on. 
I watched uh, the draft as you did, and I saw your grades in the aftermath. And um, it's never good when the other three teams in your division get higher grades than you do. Um, you seem to be kind of like, um, on, not on the fence, but more like the Bengals draft was just kind of, you know, average, pedestrian, like address needs but nothing spectacular. Would that would that be behind the B minus you gave them? Yeah, exactly. And I always do it in relation to a couple things, in relation to what the team is at the moment. And it's a little bit of a tricky situation in Cincinnati, caught between what was a contender just a few years ago, but clearly out tiers removed from the playoffs, not that type of team. So somewhere in that muddled middle in the NFL, that's always hard to draft at that spot. So that said, you look at some of their picks. I think they were a little bit more in line what I thought they might do last year, getting on offensive linemen there, Billy Price, Sam Hubbard, both from Ohio State, both yeah. figuring out uh, both sides of the line there for you. So I, th- I think that's where they kind of needed to go last year. I think overall the talent at those positions, uh, I think Price was a little bit better than what they could have got last year, especially now taking care of left tackle Cordy Glenn. But Hubbard, I, I think some people saw him as solid but not spectacular, and, and that could be fine. I think he could start for a long time. It just wasn't the wow factor. They went for the ceiling last year, however, and it, it didn't work out uh, too well so far. Yeah, could you can you can you make a case where Glenn is part of the draft simply because he arrived here for a swapped number one? I mean, would 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 that be too much of a stretch? No, I think you always have to look at it. Your net result of personnel—that's what we're counting on, really. And for all these teams, is what they do in free agency, what they do in the draft. They're all part of the same puzzle and pool and how you use your resources, whether it be draft picks or yeah. money. So, yeah, you have to look at the left tackle, getting a left tackle like that. that They just don't become available very often, those type of seasoned players. And I know Cordy Glenn said his share of injuries and may not be the perfectly uh, undamaged good there, but in relation to what they did have, he's a sturdy guy that's going to be effective when he's out there. And you combine that with price and uh, – you're looking at two pretty good upgrades for your offensive line that really uh, got gutted uh, last offseason. Yeah, that's that's the case. There's no question about that. Gutted, and then uh, obviously the the whiff in uh, in 2015 in Cedric Oboehi. Vinny, I said on this radio station last weekend, I really didn't care who they drafted. they got to have somebody that can play right away because in today's NFL, your first-round pick gets four years, five if you pick up his option. They elected this week not to pick up. Oh, boy, he's fifth-year option. Dwayne, Drake Kirkpatrick came here in 12. Uh, he arrived hurt. It took him about two and a half years to really find his feet. Same with Darquez Denard in 14. Oh, boy, he's 15. In 16, William Jackson the third. He got hurt in camp. He didn't play at all in his first year. And then last year, Ross was basically, it was a whiff of a season for him. I think Ross, I, 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 not Ross, I think Price this year has... He's got to play. He's got to contribute. Well, I really think the top two or three guys they picked have got to be in that in that same boat, because invariably that's what winning championships comes down to. It's great to find bargains in the middle rounds, but your number ones better play like number ones and quickly. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And it also is nice to go for position in center. Uh, I kind of look at it as like inside linebacker. Those are players. Pretty much what you see if they're going to anchor and make all the line calls and run block well, that they're going to translate that pretty well in the NFL. Same thing with guards. They're a little less volatile, and sometimes you want to go for less volatile positions. And 
you mentioned some of the positions they drafted, wide receiver, corner. These are two of the most volatile positions because a lot of it has to do with speed and what a guy looks like mm-hmm. in a certain realm versus uh, putting it to the application with technique and uh, route running and all that good stuff. So sometimes I like what you see is what you get players, and I think price falls into that category. I, I think for in some instances, I think Sam Hubbard can be that guy. He may not be that 10 sack guy, but he can be a six or seven sack guy and play the run pretty well on the other side. So they've done a lot better to think about that, but you're right. Wasting picks and uh, making luxury picks is going to put you behind a lot of teams in a hurry. Vinny Iyer, SportingNews.com, our guest here on 700 WLW. Certainly in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. The Browns now think they've got their quarterback of the present, let alone the future. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and uh, Mason Rudolph in Pittsburgh. Did those two teams draft the quarterbacks of their future? And secondarily, did the Bengals miss a chance with Jackson not to do the same thing in the first round? Yeah, and that's where these teams, and you look at the Ravens, they knew they had to start stop on picks. They wanted to send out Ozzie Newsom on a high note with some volume and get some uh, quality as well as that quantity, and that's what you've seen from a lot of their drafts. If mm-hmm. you look at it, a lot of the guys don't work out, but if they can get five, six guys in one class to uh, be contributors, which they seem to be consistent about, you feel good about it. So the Steelers always seem to be drafting for something that's coming rather than coming now, and that's the luxury you afford. If you're a good drafting team to begin with, you're in that positive cycle. And then the Browns, last year they had the volume, didn't have a lot of quality. This year they focused a little bit, changed it up, and the trades from last year really uh, paid off for them. So when you look at it in terms of starting now, they got that guy in Deadville Ward. They've got an option there if Mayfield isn't ready and Tyrod Taylor that they feel very comfortable in putting out there. And then overall, I think they could take some chances after that first round. So the Browns have to be more excited about their application of uh, what was available to them and their picks versus what they did in the previous regime. Right, and it would fly in the face of my argument that you had to get a player to play right now if they took Lamar Jackson because this coaching staff, which may or may not be here after this season, is committed to Andy Dalton. So regardless of how much time Jackson plays in Baltimore, and his coach, head coach, frankly, could be gone after this year, here in Cincinnati, he probably would have done what they did with A.J. McCarron. He would have sat, and it would have been Andy Dalton's season to, to have and to hold. So I... I guess I can see from that standpoint why they would not have taken Jackson in round one. Yeah, I think you look at Logan Woodside. I mean, at least they did draft a quarterback to think about that a little bit. They kind of had to with A.J. McCarron moving on. So they need someone to develop uh, sooner rather than later to be a backup for Dalton. I know Matt Barkley is there, but yeah. you know Matt Barkley can't be exposed too much, and you can feel good about it. So right. I-, I think at least they thought about it, which is a good sign, but I think it just very tough right now because uh, Cincinnati's caught in limbo. Well, at least I think these other three teams have a very good idea of what they are and what they're going to be. Yeah. Well, it's always good to know what you are because if you don't, nobody else will. Vinny Iyer, we know what you are. You are a great football writer, and we appreciate your time here on 700 WLW. Thank you. Thanks. Anytime, Ken. Appreciate it. And, of course, a draft extends past round one, right? Uh, and the Bengals have done a pretty good job of finding bargains, quote-unquote bargains, in the middle rounds. But bargains only get you so where, so so far. Eventually, your number ones have got to play better than the other guy's number ones. And you've got to get immediate help. 
from your number one draft picks in this day and age in the NFL. Remember, rookie contracts, contracts for first-round draft picks are four years with the team having an option for a fifth, which means there is an outside chance. And we saw it this year with A.J. McCarron, where, um, well, that's not a fair comparison because he was he was a later-round pick. But we, we saw it this year, we saw it this week in Cedric Obwehi, where he was, his fifth year was declined because of lack of performance. So they draft a guy that they could have had for five, but realized they didn't want for five. And they only had him for four. And what they got for those four years was, at least so far, hardly worth the investment of a first-round pick. Players have to come in and play right now. And that's why they went offensive line with Billy Price. They think this guy is someone who's going to be worth that fifth-year option and possibly beyond. 749-7000, 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE. It's Sunday morning sports talk, and it's continuing next on 700-WLW. Got a Facebook question here I wanted to address. Came from Tom Bundy on my Facebook account. By the way, I I have one of those Facebook things. If you'd like to, uh, you know, join in, just uh, just like, what do they, I guess you just like those things, right? You just like me, and then I'll... If the questions are there, I'll uh, that I think are pertinent, I'll answer. This is a this is a pretty good question. Tom uh, on the Facebook says, "Ken, has the name Quentin Flowers come into your thoughts as the Bengals look forward? I thought they signed him as a UFA. He has a tremendous upside. Could be the guy they need. Well, you know who knows? He could be. In the annals of the NFL and Super Bowl history." Unless memory uh, fails me, I think that the only Mike Tomzak won a Super Bowl ring as an undrafted free agent out of Ohio State, but he was a backup quarterback with the Bears. So I'm not sure if that counts or not, but uh, Mike Tomzak did that. Jake DeLome, if you'll recall, got the Carolina Panthers to uh, the Super Bowl, but then faced Brady and the. Uh, and the uh, Patriots, and that was the name of that tune. And uh, Kurt Warner is probably the 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 greatest UFA undrafted free agent um, in the history of undrafted quarterbacks winning a Super Bowl. Um, you now Warren Moon was in there, but I mean, if you want to talk about championships, my point being is is that it 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 doesn't happen all that often. But who knows? You know, I mean, lightning strikes in the most Weird places. And with that, let's bring into the conversation from the great city of Cheviot, Al. Al, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ken. How are you today? Oh, uh, Al, if I was any better, I might just be in prison. Listen, Ken, uh, I have to tell you, we I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, me and some fellas, we started the Cam Brew Breakfast Club. No I, don't, no, I don't remember that. Every time that you said something we disagree with, we had to eat a piece of bacon. <laughs> yeah? 
And what happened was the ladies made us quit the club because everybody was gaining weight. But <laughs> 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 well, we, oh. <laughs> we starting the club back up, kid. Am I? You eating, eating a lot of bacon today, there, Alan? I had two pieces because uh, I, I uh, talked uh, to you a couple of weeks before the draft, and I said that uh, they should get that guy out of uh, Louisville, the quarterback. And the uh, linebacker out of uh, Central Florida. Yeah. And uh, the, the guys you had on the day pretty much agreed about the quarterback out of Louisville. Yeah. yeah. You know. So yeah. uh, that, that's, a, that's a piece of bacon I could put back in the stove. Well, here I got I got one here for you. Every time you I say something that you agree with, have a glass of Metamucil. And that way <laughs> you'll never have a weight problem, Al. That ain't a good idea. Uh, you have a great Sunday. There's Alan Cheviot. He knows what I'm saying. That's it. I'm done. I see him sitting out in the hallway, and they're ready to go. Mark Blazer and Tim McGee, they got you next. I'm headed downtown for the latest in sports tonight, along with sports of all sorts on Cincinnati's 9 on your side. Mark Sheldon, MLB.com. Harvey Lewis, Cincinnati's ultramarathoner, fresh from running, the flying pig today, and Keenan Singleton, all on the docket tonight. We'll see you tonight, 6-11 and sports of all sorts, and right back in here next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. On the home of your Cincinnati Reds, 700 WLW. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.